Hello, welcome to Unbiased with me, Darshi Harindra. I help organizations rethink how they use data and new technologies in a compliant, unbiased, and inclusive way. I'm on a mission to rehumanize technology so that we can max out on all the potential benefits it brings whilst keeping people very much at the center of its oversight and success. Now, this podcast is very much centered on the human side of the equity and inclusion equation. Through guests sharing their stories of how bias has affected and continues to affect their day-to-day lives, we can get a glimpse into the beautifully complex fabric interwoven into our communities. And we can learn about some of their work in trying to address or combat the ill effects of some of those biases. Joining me on Unbiased today is Joseph Kolapudi. Joseph is an emerging changemaker who is committed to engaging across cultures within community. He currently serves as creative director for Solve Squad, a 100% online response platform utilizing virtual volunteering to connect with young professionals post-pandemic. Additionally, he serves on the board of the Australian Refugee and Migrant Care Services, Arm Care, and that's a non-profit organization providing support services to the most vulnerable. He's also on the Youth Advisory Council for the US Consulate General and loves connecting with those from diverse cultures and backgrounds in his hometown of Brisbane and or wherever his travels may take him. Joseph, welcome to the podcast. It's a pleasure to have you on today. I appreciate it, Dashi. Thanks for having me. Joseph, there's a lot we can talk about with you really being on the front lines of dealing with young people and some of the most vulnerable people when they require support here in Australia. And I'm sure that must give you some unique insights into how to address all manner of issues around bias and how we address it. But as I tend to do on this podcast, I want to start with learning more about you personally Share with us your story of how and where you grew up and what earlier life experiences may have led you on the professional and purpose-driven path that you seem to be on right now. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, I was born and raised uh, in Brisbane, uh, here in Queensland, Australia. Uh, I think just growing up in in a cultural household, my parents are both born and raised in India. So I think having that sort of immigrant mentality um, being being uh, raised here in, in Australia just kind of informed me a lot about the differences, I guess, uh, growing up in such a diverse society, um, but also kind of reminded me of my cultural roots, um, obviously from my, from my parents' heritage. So that really informed, I guess, the way that I saw um, the world, uh, how I interacted with people but I think it changed uh, significantly um, after my university degree. I was studying business and just kind of seeing the world through a different lens, obviously. Yeah, just different opportunities that I was encountering uh, at a younger age. Um, but I really wanted to rediscover my roots. So after my master's, I actually went overseas to study in the States for about two years. And uh, I was studying international development. So a lot of the things we're learning about were very applicable to what was going on overseas and really wanted to kind of discover that for myself. So actually went back to India. um, And and I think when I was there, that was the first time I was living um, 
yeah, alone overseas, just uh, discovering everything uh, brand new, um, but really helped me to understand and appreciate my cultural upbringing a bit better. Um, so I spent, spent about a year in India, came back, and I think a lot of the stuff that I learned in terms of community development, grassroots approach to engagement and sort of working in community, that informed a lot of what I'm doing right now. So a lot of the nonprofit work that I saw firsthand and sort of building things from scratch, um, a lot of the engagement with young people especially um, really inspired me to do what I'm doing now. So so that's a little bit about me and, and what I do, especially um, at the current point in time. Because you studied business and international relations and you seem to be quite intentional about studying with a view to connecting a bit with your roots and maybe pro sol solving some sort of problem that you maybe not weren't even sure um, that existed for you given your sort of upbringing in the west but knowing that you had and growing up with it with different um, cultural roots but would you say that your time actually spent in India had any more weighting in terms of how much you learn and how much, how, what drove you to do what you do today versus the actual theoretical studies that you undertook in international development you undertook in the US? Absolutely. Yeah, I think it was a bit of both. Um, obviously, yeah, studying in an American institution is often with a Western perspective. So it's, a lot of what I learned was sort of you know, the individual efforts that you do to sort of change culture or address, you know, social problems, challenges. Um, and then when I got to India, obviously you're in a collectivist society and there's definitely a lot more people, a lot more challenges that you sort of encounter day to day, which you don't really learn at school, I guess. Um, so I think that difference, um, that was the biggest challenge, I think, going to India and sort of rediscovering my roots in a sense by myself because I'd always visited India a couple of times a year with family and friends sort of growing up every every so often um, but just being there and and obviously not having that sheltered sort of existence and and learning everything yeah brand new that was quite eye-opening to me and I learned a lot from obviously working uh, with, with the locals that we were working with so I was part of a non-profit there that was specifically um, providing grants, small small and, and medium-sized grants to founders, um, people already working in charitable institutions or sometimes in village situations. Um, so they weren't obviously operating from a Western perspective. So I think that led to a bit of culture clash sometimes. Um, but it's a great learning opportunity for me yeah, just to be able to see what works, what doesn't, and sort of glean from that. So obviously taking that or bring that back to Australia was again sort of a reverse culture shock and then trying to learn again how to do things. But yeah, it was, it was really great because I already had that experience of learning things um, brand new as well. And you studied, when you were in Australia, you studied business, but then a lot of your subsequent study and your work was around that nonprofit sector. So have you always worked in the nonprofit sector and do you again, sort of bring your breadth of expertise into how uh, you work or have you sort of adopted the the more textbook nonprofit state of mind when it comes to affecting change? Yeah. So, um, yeah, interestingly, uh, my first job out of university when I was studying business uh, was in journalism. 
So totally different sort of kettle fish, <laughs> if you will. So I was I was more on sort of the writing content creation side of things. Um, so I really like connecting with people, obviously writing stories, feature articles, things like that. But that actually came in handy when I was in India because uh, a lot of the things that we had to document, obviously incorporated writing, research, um, obviously a lot of field work when you're recording people's stories. Um, how do you sort of connect people to resources and support that obviously includes, you know, advocacy and things like that when you write reporting. So, so that really helped me um, to sort of encapsulate the vision for what people were needing on the ground. And then obviously, how do I sort of cast that vision for people who have the resources to provide that from a nonprofit standpoint? Um, so, so obviously different, different environment, but I think the skills that I learned from that really translated well to sort of my nonprofit work. And I still do that now whenever, you know, I have partner meetings or I'm meeting people on the ground or having those one-on-one -on -one conversations. At the back of my mind, I'm like, this would make a really great story to kind of share with people sort of beyond my network who might not be familiar with sort of the things that we, we encounter day to day. And it's been helpful to see how, how people interact with those stories as well. Yeah, I really love that idea of, of, I think there is a place for storytelling and good writing and advocacy in everything that, that we do. So I'm glad that you've had the uh, opportunity to deploy all those skills. Um, and it's also really interesting speaking to people with quite diverse uh backgrounds in terms of what they've studied and how and the ex job, uh, jobs and experiences that they've had um which sometimes seem quite tangential to each other but actually all come together um and can all be used uh in positive ways um because I think particularly speaking when I speak with young people or I, I do a lot of mentoring and there's often a lot of anxiety that goes around oh, I must make the right decisions right now and what I do now you know what the choices I make now is going to affect my whole future and actually sometimes it's worth taking a step back to go actually in in a few years time you'll be able to join all the dots which may not make sense um, even if you look to chop and change so um, I always appreciate other people sharing how different different lives are all combined in the in the, the same same one. Now, in terms of the work that you do itself, um, you know, you're working with young people, you're in that not-for-profit sector, you're working across cultures. Can you share with me what the biggest, both the biggest challenges and the biggest joys that come out of doing the work that you do? Yeah, definitely. So I think the... Yeah, I'd start with the joys because I mentioned a little bit of the challenges already. But the joy of just seeing the potential of young people. Like in our team, uh, it's quite a small team that I work with here uh, in Brisbane, but we specifically recruit people from different backgrounds as a way to kind of connect with them at a local level, but also give them opportunities to learn new skills and engage in a new environment uh, specifically within um, the nonprofit sector. So, for example, uh, I think almost, yeah, 90% of our, our team are born overseas. Um, I, I would say only, yeah, one or two team members uh, are born in Australia, but they have 
you know, parents or grandparents who are born overseas as well. So it really creates an interesting environment uh, when you work from people from different cultures because you see how they work, uh, what's their sort of approach to, to different things, different tasks, but also, you know, what their preference is in terms of engagement with people. So, for example, we recently uh, recruited someone who's a refugee from um, South Sudan. So he has quite a traumatic um, upbringing, but he has a, a big heart for, for young people as well, especially those who are encountering mental health uh, challenges and struggles. Uh, so one of the organizations that we partner with um, is called the Queensland Center for Survivors of Torture and Trauma. So I think that connection there was really helpful for him just to see, you know, how does he connect his personal story to the work that he does for us, um, sort of working on partnerships and engagement. Um, and then recently we had like a fundraising event uh, where we were raising funds for um, some of our workers overseas. And he was able to connect with someone from Nigeria who was one of our, our newest partners. So I think just sort of facilitating those natural connections, I could see it opened up like so much opportunities for him. And, and he came back to me and said, the one regret that I have is I didn't join your organization sooner. So I think that was really cool just to see sort of his engagement with with what he was learning, basically brand new. Um, but obviously so much engagement and opportunities coming out of that for him personally. Um, but yeah, I think working within a diverse team also has its challenges. You know, every day is not the same. So I think just the people we connect with sometimes there's ways that we can do things better, but we learn from each other, I think, from those those mistakes like we all do. Um, but it, it's interesting, yeah. There's some people within our team who are very extroverted, so they'll be like, yeah, I want to speak at this event, or if we have a conference coming up, you know, they, they're the first to put their hands up. Whereas some people, they're like, oh, I'm just going to stay at the office and do my work. Oh, well, you guys go ahead. So, yeah, it's, it's interesting to see the team dynamics there, um, especially when you have new people join the organization, and you kind of see how they learn and, and engage with other team members in a team environment. I mean, speaking from experience, I'm a natural introvert, so I, I tend to work better when I'm sort of by myself, you know, just working on one task at one time and sort of have that, you know, laser focus. But I think as time has gone on and I'm sort of leading my team now in this nonprofit uh, space, it's come to my attention, you know, it's very important to have that team dynamic have that team to support you and back you up, but also that team that you learn from, you learn new things from and better ways of leading and, and sort of learning that way as well. There's a lot of leadership wisdom to be taken away from that um, response, Joseph, because you're so right. There's, there is so much to be gained from having a diverse team, but it's important not to shy away from just how challenging that can be. And particularly when we hear a lot about people, you know, hiring for a culture fit and um and these sorts of things which can often end up just meaning hiring people that are like you because you know how to deal with that type of person you know how to deal with how they they work and so that's often you know can make for a very easy uh day-to-day -day life but it's really really important for leaders to to show uh, and lead by example that 
in order to get the most benefit out of diverse teams does put it does require a lot of work and it is quite it's quite tiring work particularly for for introverts i i very much relate to uh, to some of what you're sharing about about your your own personality type and sometimes as an an introverted leader if you have got extroverts on your team it's easy to just say yeah sure you go and do that speaking engagement yep 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 be a yes person because it's just again less less energy um but you do have to constantly um check yourself so it's something that's just universal across organizations and teams whichever sector you're in so those fundamental human qualities um i think it's really important to bring out that they exist everywhere so as i said there's a lot of wisdom to be taken away and i congratulate you for 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 taking on that challenge uh, as a leader because it is exhausting but so rewarding as well and and also it was interesting to hear about people bringing their own stories to the table in this work. So I just wanted to actually take some time to hear from you what exactly you guys do, um, because it's really this is a really again interesting concept that seems to potentially have a much broader use case post pandemic. This idea of connecting volunteers and people remotely and virtually. Um, so tell us more about how it was born and and where you guys are at right now. Yeah, definitely. So um, yeah, the name of our, our social enterprise is called Solve Squad. So the story goes back to early 2020, just before the pandemic happened. Um, we were just kind of seeing different ways how we can engage with young people who are more technologically um, engaged. Um, and obviously with the pandemic happening, you know, a lot of people were already remote working um, uh, and also trying to think different ways of how we can engage with people online. Um, so there's a social entrepreneur by the name of Murray Galbraith uh, who reached out to me um, and he was his original founder of Soul Squad. Um, so he was basically having this idea of how can we connect people uh, who are already working either full-time or part-time but obviously have an interest in volunteering. Um, and sort of taking that online because there's so many opportunities for people to engage digitally. Um, and a lot of people were obviously volunteering during the pandemic, but couldn't obviously leave their homes for obvious reasons, or if people were recovering from COVID and didn't have opportunity to volunteer in person, they could do that virtually. And obviously a lot of organizations were offering that already. So we sort of saw a gap between individuals who wanted to volunteer and then organizations who are already providing those opportunities online. So we sort of saw ourselves as a connecting point between the two. Um, so we created this platform and basically I just came on board, sort of going back to my journalistic roots of, uh, I'd love to sort of write the stories on organizations you're partnering with already. And some of the stories coming out of that of, you know, sort of success stories of, of volunteers who've been successfully matched. Um, so doing that, um, sort of as a side hustle, um, you know, every week writing those stories. And then I think it really resonated with, with Murray, the founder and about a few months in, uh, he called me and he's like, would you like to take soft squad over sort of as a, as a full-time venture? And I'd never really dabbled in social enterprise, um, or any anything creative of that nature. <laughs> so I was very hesitant to say yes. Um, but at the time I was working for uh, another nonprofit uh, called Reach Across, which was already working with young people from refugee and migrant backgrounds. 
Um, so Murray basically said, why don't you take this project uh, under your sort of work banner, um, where it wouldn't be a totally brand new project, but something that you could kind of implement locally uh, as you see fit. Um, so basically I talked to my team and, and they're very on board with it. So we took that uh, under consideration and then basically been working with Soul Squad ever since. So it's expanded a lot since we first started uh, back in 2020. Originally it was just a, yeah, an online platform. We, we just sort of post opportunities and connect people who sign up via our site. And the great thing about Soul Squad is you don't have to quit your full-time job to, to get involved. You know, you sort of um, identify how many hours you can volunteer per week, what are your interests, um, what's your capacity, and then we connect you to opportunities, organizations that, that sort of um, fit your, your interests. Um, and sometimes people volunteer for like a week. It can be a couple of months depending on the opportunity, which sometimes leads to paid opportunities as well. Um, but sort of started as a grassroots initiative and then uh, a couple of months in, we started doing some bigger projects with organizations like Oak Tree. And um, when we started partnering with United Nations, that sort of took it international. Um, so working on like a um, virtual mentorship model where we could connect people who were experiencing mental health issues as a result of the pandemic, specifically young people, to uh, people who could sort of walk them through that journey um, especially people who already had lived experience from the United Nations. So I was doing that with the United Nations Major Group for Children and Youth um, as part of their COVID-19 youth platform. And then that sort of uh, blew it up. So we, we started, yeah, partnering with a lot more international organizations. So I think we have partners in over, yeah, three, three or five continents now. And then um, obviously still working across Australia and different states and then locally as well. And then we started um, working with the Australian Council for International Development. So going back to my international development roots, recently doing conferences and um, panel talks for them. And then uh, also with the, the Queensland uh, government as well. So, yeah, it's gone beyond what I originally imagined, but it's just been great to see that, that sort of organic growth over the years. Um, and obviously now that we're in the tail end of the pandemic, sort of looking at hybrid models of doing things, um, done digital festivals, conferences, panel talks and things like that. So it's been great to see so many young people get on board and yeah, really excited for the future as well. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And when, you, when you're talking digital and, and remote, then grassroots can suddenly actually be really, really widespread. And, um, and, and I hope well, in I wonder whether now that you'll be developing more hybrid models, you now have these bases that are already sort of across the world. So you might you'll have the access to networks to look, hook people up both in person as well as um, as remotely. So um, yeah, so it really seems like a real success story of the pandemic that can actually give access, um, both in terms of those needing support, but actually, I think it's such a valuable thing for volunteers because there are so many that do want to contribute and help, but you don't, you feel very bound to where you are or just not having access to stuff or not knowing if your capacity 
can can fit alongside something if you already have a job. So it just really expands the horizons for people that want to contribute as well um, in new and innovative ways. So I really congratulate you on that. I've learned a lot. I didn't actually, myself, when I was looking you guys up, I didn't realise you're quite so um, widespread as you are. So it's a phenomenal success story. And are there anyone else out there that does something similar to Soul Squad or are you kind of? Virtual volunteering has been around for actually over 100 years. So I think it's been a, it's been interesting to see sort of the growth of, of sort of this opportunity. I guess since, yeah, since we've been partnering with a lot of organizations that already started virtual initiatives or sort of pivoting towards that. Um, we've been engaging with a lot more organizations. So Volley is an organization that was that's also started in Australia that is totally focused on virtual volunteering. So we're partnering with them and they've been they've been featured on the media and, and a lot of different organizations as well. Um, but we're sort of one of their partners that's trying to expand it beyond just um, virtual to sort of those hybrid models that we were talking about earlier. Um, and they work with a lot of young people since it's, it's very youth focused. So I think kind of benefiting from organizations that are more established like Volley and have been doing this for a long time really helped us to sort of um, manage expectations, but also sort of see avenues for growth um, beyond just um, online. So, so I think sort of rethinking the paradigm of, well, how can we connect people, but also introduce them to new opportunities sort of outside of their range so that people can sort of upskill and, and develop these new um, frameworks, I guess, for engaging with people within community. So yeah, it's been really great to learn from people who've been obviously seasoned professionals in this space, but it goes back to sort of that, yeah, that grassroots development where we're always open to new new ways of doing things as well. In terms of the demographic of your volunteers, it was interesting to hear about when you were growing your team and you have, people in your team that have been able to leverage their own lived experiences um, in helping those connections. Have you seen any similar trends in terms of volunteers who also come from similar backgrounds that maybe have that particular drive towards sort of paying it forward and continuing to help others in your kind of volunteer demographic? Yeah, definitely. I think people especially from from culturally and linguistically diverse backgrounds, they're very open to sort of giving back. I think because they've seen, you know, whether in their home countries or otherwise, that people have helped them in the past and obviously had some sort of impact or benefit towards their livelihood and, and way of doing things or way of seeing the world. Um, so whenever we get people sort of engaging with Solve Squad or a lot of people who are founders themselves um, coming from international student backgrounds or people who've come over as refugees or migrants, they sort of share with me, it's great to have this space where we can connect with people, like-minded people um, who, who think similarly and, and who wanna give back and are really focused on community and sort of uplifting the common good of, of others. So it's great to be able to, to connect with people like that. And then from a volunteer standpoint, I think the majority of people who connect with us um, really, really get what we're trying to do. So I think the in terms of the cultural fit, it's really natural when they join the team where 
there are certain things that you don't have to explain of like why we do things or the purpose behind it. I think they get it and, and it really helps us to obviously move forward as a team. So we don't really focus too much on sort of the internal training side of things as, as more opposed to, hey, why don't you go and meet this this founder in the community and, and sort of explain your story and see how you can connect with them and, and obviously bring a partnership out of it. Um, as an example of that, we I took one of our volunteers to sort of a multicultural professional network event, and we had never met um, the, the founder before. Um, so I kind of threw them in the deep end and said, you know, start a conversation, see where it goes. And sort of coming out of that, um, we're now discussing a partnership with, with both KPMG and PwC, um, sort of just from that one event. So it's interesting to see, like, you don't know what happens, obviously, when you, you put people out of their comfort zone. But I think just having those natural conversations where people are also thinking outside of the box and you sort of put two creatives in one room and see what happens. Um, I think that's been really super helpful for me to see sort of the potential of, of people who join our organization, but also sort of thinking about a long term, how we can empower people to sort of take the lead on, on certain things that are within their passion or, or scope of doing things differently. So, And, and another, another pearl of, of leadership wisdom there, I think, as well, Joseph, in just creating a really safe space for people to allow them to shine. And because that's, again, something that all organisations can, can benefit from. And it just seems like you've got some great, really great case studies of uh, people coming with that community background and wanting to help. And then before you know it, you've landed a potential partnership with a massive global corporate. So um, wonderful story from all your professional successes. To round stuff off, just back to a bit of you, Joseph, and managing all these different things that are all quite emotionally and mentally intense as well as just being your being your regular day job and so how do you find balance in your work and life when you're doing such purpose-driven work yeah that's a great question I think um yeah trying to find those quiet spaces between obviously like juggling multiple responsibilities and yeah, taking some time out to, to sort of reflect. I think as an introvert, I have to find those spaces more diligently um, because, yeah, uh, we're definitely living in busy times. Um, so it, it it's great to sometimes have those times within the week where I just have sort of a downtime where I do some reading or uh, I think as a writer, I learn a lot from reading uh, other people's stories. So sort of draw inspiration on that. Yeah, I love reading biographies or or stories from people who are doing some really interesting things. Um, so that's one. Uh, sports, another. I think, yeah, just having that that outlet where I'm I'm outside of the the four walls of the office building and can kind of connect naturally with people outside of work. Um, and then I think, um, yeah, I, just kind of finding those people where I can talk or have conversations with totally different. Um, to, to order my, order the, sort of a professional setting. Um, so my wife is, is in IT, so we've been married about three years, but we actually met in India when I was volunteering there. So I've learned a lot from her just sort of coming to Australia at the start of the pandemic and trying to learn things from scratch. And I almost put myself in her shoes as like, 
in India, I almost experienced the same thing, but now you're experiencing it here in Australia. So I definitely appreciate her cultural understanding a lot more and her growing in the village sort of grassroots and coming here, learning things, um, which is so totally outside of her natural way of, of living, uh, just really inspired me and, and reminds me every day of why I do what I do. So, yeah, I think working from home has, has its advantages. We are able to have those conversations and, and sort of put things aside and just talk about life in general. Um, so, so that's been really, yeah, really helpful for me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's always a challenge of how, how do we approach every day and every day is different. You meet so many different people and so, so good to kind of take advantage of different opportunities, but learning to say no has been a big thing as well. Um, which I think in my younger days, I just said yes to everything and it was very difficult, uh, to, to sort of manage the fallout. But I think in the nonprofit sector, especially a lot of people experience burnout, um, you know, they're not able to handle, um, you know, that work-life balance. So I think trying to find, yeah, that, that safe space where I can do both and obviously, you know, virtually working has been, has been really great for that. Um, but yeah, trying to find those people as well that keep you accountable. Um, obviously having mentors outside of work as well has been really great just to meet with them and just have regular check-ins about how I'm, how I'm going. Um, but yeah, it's been really great to learn from people, like I said, who've been in this space for longer than I have. Uh, I think just turning 30 has been helpful for me to kind of reframe how I do things and sort of look at things long-term. So, so that's been helpful to sort of manage expectations and, and look forward to the future as well. Yeah, that's a great response, ticking all those boxes. It's really hard, particularly coming to the, this time of year and the end of the year and everyone's sort of calling to the finish line. And it's really so important to keep, keep those lessons front of mind and uh, fill, fill your time with people that you want to be around, quiet space when you need to not be around people and getting out and about and exercising and uh, letting uh, releasing some endorphins that way too. So Joseph, thank you so much for taking the time to share about your personal story, your professional journey. And as I said, just dropping some real leadership pearls of wisdom that I think are so transferable. And it's just amazing to connect with other people that are creating spaces for people of really diverse backgrounds to connect, to find their own strengths, lean into them and put that into, out into the world. So I really appreciate you for everything that you do to uh, to make our shores a better place to live in. Thank you, Joseph. My pleasure. Thanks, Dashi. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Unbiased with me, Dashi Harindra. I derive so much energy and learn so much from speaking to such inspiring guests and amplifying diverse voices. If you feel the same way, please do subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you consume your content from and follow me and the podcast so you can get all the latest episodes as they drop. I'd also love to hear from you. What works for you? What do you like to hear more of? You can connect with me via my website, darshiharindra.com. Until next time, stay open, 